Welcome to the Mike Hewitt Show, 11 years and growing. It's about family, business, work, and politics like you've never heard it before. Yep, it's true. There's more than just a touch of wry humor mixed in. And now your host, Mike Hewitt. Folks, I am Mike Hewitt, co-hosts Miles Bauer and Ludwig von Wiedendorski. Listen, guys, I got to tell you, I, before we really jump into the show itself, Miles, as long as you and I have been debating politics, there has never been a point where Henry Kissinger wasn't somewhere in the middle of those conversations. He passed away 100 years old. This guy was active clean through till July of this year. That's an amazing thing. Like him or not like him, you got to stand back and go, holy smokes, he escaped Nazi Germany as a youngster. What a life that man had. What say you, Miles Bauer? Well, not only a life, but what a brain he had. He really did. Massive impact on global politics. And those folks like me that just watched the summer in Michigan with the Goshen Chinese battery company fight up in Macosta County, Michigan, that the folks said absolutely no to, it still goes back to when it takes Nixon to go to China. Well, it might have took Nixon, but he wouldn't have got there without Henry Kissinger. And when I mentioned July of this year, it was China honoring him in a visit at 100 years old. Ludwig, you're in a different generation. What's your take on Henry Kissinger's life? I think it's pretty fascinating. This guy had influence over multiple presidential terms. He served directly for two, but to your point, I don't think there's been a presidency. By the way, folks, from either side of the aisle, I don't care whether it was Clinton or Reagan or anywhere, I, I think every single one of them had had their information trade with him. He was brilliant. And what else was fascinating, when I heard he was 100 years old, I started doing the math, and what's weird is the World War II veterans are now to the point where it's almost like the Civil War vets where there's not going to be any left Very pretty few. soon here. Very few. It's, it's kind of sad that I'm getting that old. Yeah, and there are no Civil War vets left, by the way. Just to, No, I know that, but when to, I was a kid, there was still a few. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure you knew. There was still like one or two people who were still alive during the Civil War. Now, like, this is becoming so historical. It is. I mean, nothing man and, was... and you know what's spooky about that, Lud? And you're about to enter the wonderful world that Mike and I viewed. Once they're all gone, the elites will come in and modify history. Right. That's, yeah, and I think they've started to. They do. Yeah. They, they rewrite it. Miles, I think you're exactly spot on with that. And we can do some anecdotal stuff, which is almost cliche, and I don't mean it to be, but it's like to the victor of every war goes the propaganda. Mm -hmm. So however they wanted that story to work is how the story gets written to history. And, and that's well, I true. mean, think, think about it, Mike. We're, we're witnessing it now. Absolutely. With the uh, anti-Semitism. I mean— we are revisiting 1930s Germany. I, I got to tell you, and I wasn't going to go down that path, at least at this part in the show, but Miles, I'm glad you brought that up because when we're talking about historical, I think we're making history right now. So let's let's briefly touch on the Elon Musk drama with, with his tweet or X comment, whatever they're called now, that's caused him to have the interview everyone by now has heard about multiple times, but I'm wanting to look at a different side of that. So the left goes after Musk because he made some questionable comment 
Um, I think he, I, I don't, it was supposedly it was anti-Semitism. Yeah. He said, that's not what I meant, but I wished I hadn't have done it. Yep. What, and I can't quote it. doesn't matter to me, by the way. The part that I got hung up on, I'm just being honest with you, folks. The part I couldn't get my brain beyond is that the people that are assailing him, so Disney, et cetera, they're on the side of the anti-Semites within the Democrat Party. How do they attack this guy who says, I want X, his version of Twitter, I want X to be literally a First Amendment. So I don't care if you're far left, far right, somewhere in between. I want the First Amendment to work here. But the folks that are actually arm in arm with people running around doing doing damage and violence in every major city in the union and most of our Ivy League schools that are anti-Jew as you can possibly be, they're on the side with those people attacking him because he made a questionable tweet. I don't, I, Miles, I can't get my head around the raw, unadulterated hypocrisy that the well, Uber yeah, left. And just to, just to provide a little context, he just got back from Israel beating, meeting with uh, Netanyahu. Right, and they call it an apology tour. Right. I said, no, he's not Obama. He's Musk. Yeah, Musk don't apologize. No, he's the guy up there on the stage doing the interview, and the federal communication system won't let me quote him. By now you've heard it. But I got to tell you, talking about populism, because that's where we're going, Miles Bauer, talk about populism. That's one example of populism that I absolutely embrace because we need more people to tell those folks that are trying to squelch our voices not one more inch should, enough should we should we go after them because if they if you're if you're unaware elon musk is actually on the autistic spectrum right so should we go after the left for going after a special needs person listen and that's part of the to me and i get your argument they, they want to always bring this stuff up right why not play fire with fire leave I, him alone I, he's special listen, needs i i get your argument miles bauer are you a are you a fan of populist politics I am. Tell me, because listen, you and I have got different views on this, as you know. But tell me your, give me two or three things that you think make populist politics work. Well, I mean, if you look at the history of populism, it normally shows up where a group of elites um, don't care about what the common man's needs are and rather dictates to the common man how they should, you know, what is best for them in the view of the elites, right? right. And then, like, like in uh, Europe, what, what I find fascinating, the more I've studied populism, the rise of the EU didn't dawn on anybody right. that, that this would give way to a populist wave, which is now... Um, there's a populist in the Netherlands. There's a populist in Italy. There's a populist in Sweden. You know, and Mike, you and I grew up where Europe was run by the center left or the center right. I, and America and, was. And basically what this has led to, 
the center left and center right are gone in Europe. They are, but I th- I would submit to you that they're very weak in the United States now. My view of populism, you boys, please check me if I'm wrong, but my view of populism goes back to a Victor Davis Hanson article from 2018 about dueling populism, because I think both the left and the right have a brand of of populism. To me, when I see populism, I see angry mob, an absence of reason. And I, when I say reason, I get the reasons, but an, an absence of understanding of how to work the work a system of multiple people. If you have a hundred people and you want to get them to do something, meaning vote, take an action, even if everybody agrees, you better have a process in place so you're not going to get that hundred people to do it. I tell you that because what I look at populism, I do see VDH as being correct. We do have dueling populisms. I see it as being the fringe on the left, fringe on the right, and the folks in the middle now on either side of it are afraid to say a word for having the cancel culture take them out. Ludwig, you're younger. We've got a 30 seconds. Tell me what you see before we go. So, so thinking about what you guys are seeing as populist, because I'm always kind of, which way are you guys going with this? Um, I really see it as a social issues thing, and whatever the hottest social topics are at the time is what the politicians are running on, and that's where I see the populist politics coming from, and that's not the way you run a government. So you're saying it's driven by elections? Yeah. Ah, Listen, we've got to go to a break, but we'll pick it up right there in a minute. Ludwig, during break, you were telling Miles and I, tell everybody, what were you telling us at break? So when I think of the populist thing is that it's about the social issues, and we've gotten so far down this path of we're voting on social issues on how to run the government versus what our government's actually supposed to be doing. And that's where I think the populism has taken over. And and as a matter of fact, I've been saying it for a while, our side's losing on the messaging of that stuff anyways. On the social issues. On the social issues. Miles, do you see populism as social issues? No, I viewed it more as H.W., when he was running, was trying to be Reagan 2.0, and then he went off and did his own thing. Right. And basically abandoned the principles of the Reagan revolution. Shrub did the same thing. Shrub 2 and Shrub 1, just for clarification. So So Shrub comes in, talks Reagan, goes off and does his garbage. Well, and he wouldn't have won without having been um, Reagan's ticket in the first place. So you think H.W. only lost because of that? You don't think it was the Ross Perot effect? No, no, that's not what he's saying. He's saying no, he, no. he changed He changed directions. He come in going, I'm a Reagan guy. And what was it, like less than six months, he turned into a, a centrist hack. So, but the country really is a centrist. Overall, if you take the average and find the median, it's a centrist-run country. It might be run that way. That makes everybody lose or win. I don't think it's run that way now. I no, think it it's goes, not. I, to me, this is the classic case of the pendulum. Yeah. And I would probably, I'll put words in your mouth, Miles, you can correct me. My view of it, let me say it that way, is that it does go back and forth on a pendulum, but every time it swings, we lose a couple more notches. 
So here's a question then, Miles. Was Reagan a populist candidate? Yes, and he was also anti-establishment. I, I agree with his answer, by the way. Here's where I differ with Miles. Yeah. In fact, folks leading up to the show, we were literally sitting in the station discussing Miles's and my disagreement on the concept of populism. And the important part is, please understand that during the Reagan era, you and I, Miles, entirely agreed on this topic. We really did. The difference, in my view, and you're the computer scientist, so you can take me to school on this. But for me, the difference is how algorithms and social media in general has morphed people's opinions. It's like they send the angry mob down this hallway. Okay, we're done on that hallway. Now let's send them down that hallway. Part of it goes to money because social media is about money. Even if they're uber leftist, they're still about funding. And so how many clicks can we get them? <laughs> we joke every week looking at show prep about that's that's clickbait. So before we get too far off of that, though, let me go back to Reagan here for a second. Okay. You're but saying he's the Re anti-establishment. Reagan wasn't affected by social media is my point. Yep. That's the difference between a Reagan then and a Reagan now. And I agree. And I do. And I, I see Reagan as the outsider. I, again, you guys are older than I am, way older. And I was just a baby at this point. I wasn't even born when he's elected, by the way. We still see you as a, as a you know, childlike. <laughs> so, but at my growing up, he was the president. He's, I actually found the other day some Bush Reagan pins I'd bought as a kid in D.C. My favorite president I've ever researched, I know of, okay? However, in 1976, he made the, the nomination speech. He was considered to be a pot. He did run against Ford. So how much of an outsider is he really? I know when we use the word outsider, we're comparing that now to what Trump was as a real true outsider, having never held an office. No, Reagan held because, governorship. No, no, but Lud, he, he conceded that because he didn't want to tear the Republican Party apart. And I agree, and that's where I, as from what I see populism, is he wasn't a populist candidate. We were in economic hardships. He, the populism I could see where you guys are coming from with him is he went with the make you feel good to be American again, that as populism. I got to tell but you. But his policies weren't. The, the, listen, I, it's the same as folks saying, Mike, you're an establishment hack. So, no, wait a minute. I write novels that are very conservative. I've been doing this show for 11 years. I largely fund it so that I don't have somebody like Musk has got telling them, this is what you're going to say, or we'll take our money away. Well, you know what? Good luck with that, because that's not what I allow to have happen. It doesn't make me always right, but whatever I've said is what I believe, not what somebody else believes. Mm -hmm. So to me, though, when I look back at Reagan, he was absolutely an outsider. I don't call him establishment, though. I, he wasn't established. No, I don't think so. I didn't say that. But the difference between what I'm seeing at him as him as you is I watched all the speeches. His 1964 Republican National Committee speech mm -hmm. of 1964 was off the charts for yeah. that era. Yeah. I mean, it was like, holy smokes, what did that guy just say? And now we look back at him as just this old guy that was president, did a great job. No, no, no. He was absolutely off on, off. Miles, am I telling this wrong? Mike, I was sitting in your living room when Trump and Hillary were debating, and Hillary referred to the 80s as the bad old days. Right, yep. So, so has populism, I don't want to say progressed, but evolved or 
transformed into something different than what it was then because I don't see him as the same type of populist candidate then it's the as it is today. In my mind, it's the difference of social media. That's the if, difference. And, and if you're going to run for office, you've run for office. Mm-hmm. I've run for office. And but beyond that, folks, I've helped a lot of statewide level and federal candidates run for office. The difference is is that now you've got to be absolutely careful not to say something stupid because it's an immediately part of the the vitriol cancel culture. Both sides of the divide have a cancel culture, and folks, if you don't believe me, you've not had someone try to cancel you yet. I have. Well, it's the point. Even if you're in sixth grade, you have to be worried that if you're ever going to run for office, you better not post something. But the difference is social media truly. Yeah. Now, and, yeah, and, you know what? I I would throw one one other thing in. I don't remember Michigan, and I've been up there a lot, and I don't ever remember a governor being as authoritarian as the wicked witch of the north. Right. And so, Lud, to kind of answer your question, because we're running into this wacky, if you disagree with us, we're going to cancel you, and you can't buy garden seeds and paint. When Mike and I first met, we would have just thought that was completely bonkers. So I think some of this authoritarianism has also probably enhanced in me my populist belief. So that's the evolution, the evolving of it. I think it is evolving, but I think it's technology. Now listen, Miles, to your point about Whitless, Governor Whitless, if, if you look at the other side of Michigan, folks, this is true in every state that hears our voice, the other side, the D side, the folks that vote D, they don't even know most of the stuff that we could sit here and list. And that goes also to social media because everybody's in their own little echo chamber. They're only surrounded with people that agree with them. If you said something I don't agree with, I'll shut you down. Folks, we need the arena of ideas. But don't you agree that arena needs exist on even within our own side? It does. But I'll disagree with somebody on our own side, and they'll cut me off. And I'm like, wait a second. You're, but listen, now speaking of that, I remember, and we've talked about it on this show a couple of times, but I remember watching the debate where they tried to cut off Ronald Reagan's microphone. <laughs> I paid for this microphone. That's what, Remember that, Miles Bauer? Oh, yeah. I tell you that because the state of mind, human nature... That element hasn't changed. Yeah. There's still people wanting to, back then they wanted to shut you down. Now they just do. Now they can. They just do. Because and, we've allowed no, and, it. And, and, and you know, Mike, the, the, the other beautiful thing, I don't know if any, any, anybody saw this, but the leader of the conservative party in Canada, yep. while that reporter was trying to <laughs> trick him into... Same answering so. a question and he's sitting there eating an apple. No, I love that. And, and he's pinging him going, well, who exactly said that? And the reporter <laughs> couldn't come up with anybody. I love that interview. Who's I absolutely they? do. Who's they? Who's, Who's all they? of them? Who's the, all of them? The, the, the guy, <laughs> and the guy was so calm and so collected. Just eating an apple. And nonchalantly <laughs> eating his apple. He was not overtoned. overtoned. He wasn't pushed <laughs> by the threat of being canceled. He just did his thing. Folks, stay with us. We've got to go to a break. We'll be right back.
folks, if you're just tuning in, I am Mike Hewitt, co-hosts Miles Bauer and Ludwig von Wiedemdorski. We are broadcasting from our flagship station, WHTC Holland, Michigan, 1450 AM, 99.7 FM, right on the shores of beautiful but cold Lake Michigan. We have the blessing of being heard in a whole bunch of different states with a uh, I got to tell you, if you can hear us and you're not Michigan, you are listening to the absolute best radio show in your community. We thank them for carrying us. We thank you for listening to us. Now, Luitha, would do me a favor, Brian. Could you play that spot for me? Mike Hewitt here. I've got to ask, why are property taxes based on property values rather than services provided? Someone with a big house sitting on the same size lot as someone with a small house receives the exact same services. They both get the same police, fire, sewer, schools, all the same until they compare their property tax bill. Imagine a movie ticket price based on the type of car you've got sitting in the parking lot. Some say the 19th century political economist Henry George started it. He believed you and the market didn't increase the value of your property, government did. Sound familiar? He referred to value taxes, economic rent. You think you own your property? Think again. Let's be clear. I want to pay for the service I receive, but not somebody else's. I support meritocracy, not Marxism. It's easy math. Add up the cost of public services, evenly divide that number by the number of people receiving those services. I'm good with paying my fair share. Find the Mike Hewitt Show on Spotify and Apple Podcast. You'll like it. Ludwig, you're the you're the family economist. And by the way, folks, let me just be transparent. When I go out and do a study on the topic of economic rent or a value tax as a form of property tax, holy bejeebers have the academiacs and Uber left gone crazy with articles, overkill articles. You can get on Google if you want to be fibbed to or go to DuckDuckGo.com or any of the other ones that will actually give you a reasonable display of results. And look those terms up. It's one of those things where, oh, but you know, you you, you sell too strongly. You, <laughs> you you're, They overstate their position. They're so passionate about it. It suddenly explains to me why it is, this is my view, that I want you to tell Miles and I and the folks where I'm wrong. Listen, I mean it earnestly. If I'm all <laughs> wet, I'm all wet. But when I look at it, folks, it's same size property. I've, I, listen, I tried this on Facebook. So I had a bunch of people. Well, the pipes in front of your yard, if you have a larger yard or longer, if I had a bigger house. So, no, so, so folks, you notice in that 60-second spot, same, same size lot. One's house is more money than the other house but I get the same EMS that shows up, same police, same fire, same sewer, same water, same, 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 till I get my bill. I got to tell you, that's Marxism. I'm just telling you, you don't have to agree with me, but, but listen, if you look at political science words, the way we tax on property is Marxist. It's just flatly, it's not a deniable thing. You can't go, yeah, but. Because there's no yeah, but. Well, I'm going to give you it, a but. It is Marxism. Drive up, Bigfoot. I'm going to give you a but. Drive right up, Bigfoot. So there's there's something, and I will disagree with, in the 60 seconds, that, that economist you mentioned, how he says it's not market-driven. Property taxes are absolutely 100% pro, uh, market-driven. And we have proof because Biden's economy has driven the housing market to the level of being 
absolutely unaffordable. And by the way, the property taxes at this calendar year, they're going to prove it. Well, Michigan alone. You know what, though? The reason why Bidenomics has done that to the housing market. Free money does that. Because when, and, and Lud, correct me if I go wrong, but Mike, remember several years ago, you and I jumping up and down about the free COVID money and that it was going to bring on inflation. Yep. We started and that then, in March and of then, 2020. And then we said the, the Fed is going to have to react to that inflation. They're going to have to move upward the interest rates, which will kill the housing market because everybody will have to lower the price on their house so that they can attempt to sell it. Yep, all true. And you're, and you're right. Two things here. Well, sorry, Miles. The problem with the Fed was they were about two years too far behind. So they're playing catch up. And the problem with that is during that two-year period, people were still financing and refinancing houses in that 2 to 4%. So where they should have not been able to do that, because as that money was being released, they should have been increasing the rate to keep at even level with the inflation rate, they didn't. They thought it was transitory, which they really didn't believe that. they were That was a political ploy. And then when they found out they couldn't politically continue to play that game because inflation was running wild, the Fed then had to react. Do you know why it was running wild? Because of all the money. Wait, I got to stop you. Not enough supply either. Let me just do 20 cents and I'll get back off my soapbox. I promise. The government has no business being involved in market management. Yes. There is not a single qualified person in all of our federal government to steer the market. They are not qualified. They cause the problem and then destroy your world trying to fix the problem that they caused and then they do it again. Miles, you and I had this exact same conversation when Shrub One was in power. I was in the car business, and he threw everyone through the windshield, yep. hitting the brakes. Now, keep going. I'll shut up. I so, no, that's that's the biggest issue that's had with the mortgage thing. The Fed just big mess. Now, now Mike, here's where I'm going to go on the housing thing. Public goods, private goods, quasi-public. Those are the three terms we use in econ. Yep. Everything you're describing is public goods. And in public my, goods. My house is public good? No, when you talked about. The EMS, the police, the sure. roads, all that. Yep. Okay. So public goods, anybody can use them. That doesn't mean everybody has to pay for them. So what that means is when you drive into the city of Grand Rapids, you don't live in the city, you don't pay taxes, you're able to still use that road, that park, that sidewalk. Somebody has to pay for it. So you live in, uh, let's just say I'm in Georgetown Township. We have the lowest property taxes in Ottawa County. However, it's the fastest growing township in the county. Property taxes are going to go up. And this is where the market does drive property taxes, where that guy is wrong, that economist you talked about. Proper market does drive property taxes because as more and more people are buying property there, property values are going up. Therefore, the taxes are going to go up because the base tax is based on the value of the property. So the value of a vacant land 20 years ago was $10,000, and today it's now $40,000. Yep. The tax rate on that property didn't change, but that ten dollars to $40,000 increases the tax rate. In Michigan, at least, in December, of right this <laughs> right now, your your property taxes, I don't care where you live in Michigan. And by the way, when I researched this, the majority of the states were variations of this story. Your property tax, forget what your local government does, by state mandate are going to bump 5%. Across the board. So across the board. I'm not surprised in Michigan. Well, no, you didn't hear the part. In a majority of the states that I could find, and I'm not saying it wasn't all of them, but in a majority that I could find, there's automatically mandated bumps coming. 
Yeah, but Mike, I, I would uh, submit some of that is everybody leaving the Whitmer Correctional Facility. <laughs> That's very true. And I would wonder how many of those states yeah. you, you reference are blue versus red yep. or even purple. But also, so we always talk about taxes, the income tax and all these things. And well, we, how, they'll say to you, Mike, we had, we had police and roads back then. How did they get paid for? Well, it was through property taxes and yep. that stuff. Your value of your land with a $3 million house is worth more than the property Listen, of it, a land with a $150,000 house. Now, the person who moved in to be close to you to use the better things you have yep. is paying more to live in a equal house that they'd pay less in property tax to live in a different municipality. Yep. So they are paying more for better services. Are you paying more than they are? Yes, but you have a larger value in what you own. The only part is I, it right or wrong? I'm not going to say yes or no. But the only part I agreed with you on was the roads themselves. Mm -hmm. In terms of the police, the fire, the safety, those things that I, I've got to tell you, folks, I don't care if it's a dirt road. Yeah. I'm just being candid with you. If that's mixed in, then there ought to be a separate mechanism for funding because you're right. Uh, the idea that I've got to pay for my neighbor's police. Um, no, I'm going to pay for my service. And what you're describing, and I think the world are you, mm -hmm. but I think academia has made Marxism look really pretty. That's what I get out of it. Folks, stay with us. We will be right back. Ludwig, you got a question. Ask the question. Miles and I, one of us will know the answer. Oh, I'm sure of it. <laughs> so here's the question, because one, I think you just called me a Marxist, which was pretty appalling. I would not do that. <laughs> <laughs> you ask any of my students, they'll guarantee you that ain't true. Here's the question then. Okay, so you call the fire department. Yep. They look up your address. Ooh, Mike pays more in taxes. Oh, we got another call in. Oh, there's two calls. This one pays more than they do. We're going to go to the one that pays more. Right. They don't do that. Should they? No. So then how do you determine whose house gets the fire department or the police call? So everybody or do you just get rid of all public services and you hire your own security? When you were a kid, you, you remember having soda pop or whatever you drank, Kool-Aid. You'd be Kool-Aid. You were a Kool-Aid drinker. Oh, yeah. So Great. you got a counter with your five buddies. You got six glasses. Yep. Out on the gang, got one jug of Kool-Aid, and you got to pour them. Do you remember sitting down right on the edge of the counter, making sure that everybody had yeah. the same amount? Yeah. And now, since then, academia has fooled you into thinking that we can gouge that person's eyes out, and that person gets a free ride. Miles, help me understand how that makes sense to him. Yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> well, no, so no, I think, but some of this goes back, and I, I don't want to get us off point. But goes back to some of this insanity started back, I think, in 2020 around equity. It did. That's true. And it did. So here, then, if the house next to you burns down because they don't pay as much as you, and the house next, the other house next to you burns down because they don't pay as much as you, now what does your property value do? Because you have two burned out abandoned houses. So I've got it. That's the same as saying my house is not going to have as high a value because the guy next door never takes his garbage out. And his windows trims have never been painted. 
The roof needs to be done. So for me to maintain my value, I better go next door and do all his work for him. No. That's what you're espousing. No, you want a safe community. So you want you want that stuff to keep everybody safe. Plus, your schools are better. Your police department has better equipment. Better so training, you say I should, I should pay for your service no, no, because my house too. is bigger than yours. They're paying too. They're not, not paying their fair share. So now you sound like a Democrat. I, I no, I think oh, fair oh, share. That's what it, I hear I, that term all the listen, time on the I, left. I think fair share is very different than what they run around talking about. You know, equality of opportunity. That's what they're talking share. about. Pay your fair share, Rich. Pay your fair share. You get the same. And this is what they say: you get the same amount as we do. But you don't pay as much. Miles, what do you think? Look, we, our legislature has enacted all of the tax laws, okay? And so because the rich are able to take advantage of the existing laws, they don't have to pay as much in taxes. We're talking about income tax. Hillary called yeah. Trump out on that, right? Income income tax, I agree with you. I don't agree with that on property tax. Property tax is a hose job. Um, I, I got to tell you, a year ago, I went through the appeal process on my own, for literally, folks, on my own property tax I went through the appeal process. Talk about an insulting, demeaning. I'll tell you, it's Alpine Township, Michigan. These people were condescending, arrogant, laugh-in-your-face, nasty do-gooders. And I think they were conservative. I'm not sure. Whatever they were, they were from a different planet. They were outrageous by any honest person's measure. Rude Mike. and arrogant. I, yes, I, I went through the same process years yep. ago, Yep. but I cut a deal with my attorney. <laughs> I said, whatever money you can save me, you can keep half. There you go. I, I got to tell you, I'm glad you brought she, that up. She cut my property taxes in half. Hey, listen, I agree with you guys. Property taxes are ridiculous. You never own anything in this country. Let's I, be honest. I, listen, I'm glad Miles told that story because you're the economist. Yeah. So let me ask you something. The part I've been wrestling for, and folks, if you listen next week, you're going to hear a, a, a lot of this. So let me give you a hint. When I look at local, local, municipal, and county government, and I would add state government, and I'd probably want to throw in the feds, but let me keep this on the ground because the Democrat Tip O'Neill said all politics is local. When I look at how our bureaucracy is run, taxes included, I think it goes to pay plan. I'm just telling you, I believe it goes to pay plan. So if you're going to pay everybody a salary to sit at their office and look important in these big, gigantic, beautiful buildings that they build nowadays, Miles, when you and I were young, they had pole barns that they would rent out as wedding halls. Now they got big, gigantic, fancy buildings with marble and gigantic kingdom doors, humongous parking. It's crazy, but they're not paying for it. And it goes to pay plan. Because I came from a world most of my career, if you work really hard and really smart and got good at it, you made more. If you sat around on your butt and looked important, that's how much you made. And so I look at government and say, wait a minute, why are we pouring, paying these people to sit at their empty desk and look important and sneer at us? Pay plans matter. So next week, you're going to see my 60-second spot and probably the better part of an a segment with me saying maybe we should look at paying them this way instead of that way because pay motivates. Right now they're only motivated 
to look important and hold her pinky out at the golf course when you're sipping a cocktail. I'm enough of that. I'm just being honest with you. Left or right, by the way. I'm not being a Republican. I'm being a citizen saying, I've had enough. Miles, is that populist politics? Well, <laughs> just well, asking. I'm asking for a friend. <laughs> there are a variety of problems that you and I have documented over the years around the bureaucracy. Oh, man. It's terrible. Blood of my own wet. At all. At all. It's about pay plan. We're, we're paying them for what we're getting. We yeah. get this debate. And by the way, folks, I'm not saying my ish, my my view on property tax is the right one. Just so you know, I'm not saying that. What I'm genuinely trying to do is cause of a conversation because we're not having conversations on what's important. Instead, we're arguing about some poor nine-year-old at a football game. I'm going, wait a minute. First off, what an outrage that they're calling this nine-year-old a racist because he dressed up that way to go to the Kansas City Chiefs game. As it turns out, his grandfather, <laughs> the, the guy sits on one of the one of the boards of an Indian nation, and they're chastising this kid for, you can't make this stuff up. And I'm going, no, no, folks. Frankly, that's leftist populist politics. What does really affect us? What's really affecting us? By the way, if you're paying rent and you say you don't care because you don't have property tax, you're the biggest liar in the room. It's in your rent. Because it's in your rent. Just like Ragu, it's in there. Right. <laughs> That's why I like when people rent and they go vote yes on the millages. So they, they don't, don't they know don't, what they're doing. They don't live there. They want to punish people. So, well, you okay, you punished yourself, you brilliant louse. Oh, don't you love millages too, by the way? This won't raise your taxes. We're just extending it. Oh, so you mean the millage that was supposed to you know, expire next year? You're going to expend, extend for another 15 years? Yes, People, that is a tax increase. Kim Yo, Kim Yo, you say the name for me. Kim Yo Young. Close enough. Claims North Korea will never sit face to face with the U.S. again. And I, I, I wanted to bring that up before we ran out of out of show today, because Miles Bauer, you are the resident Trump Republican. When I look at North Korea, the first thing I think of now is not Biden, because he's a train wreck of epic proportion on every topic you bring up, especially North Korea. Because I think of Donald Trump standing between the two, crossing the line with him, actually having a face-to-face, human-to-human conversation. But the left, they're much better globalists than us. They know more about all of this stuff. Well, how is that working out for you, lefties? What say you, Mr. Miles Bauer? Yeah, I would say uh, so far, Biden has proved to the world that he's a weak blank. Okay. And everybody knows it. Yeah, but they knew it for 47 years. Trump, on the the other hand, displayed strength. He displayed the will. Humanity. The man was a human is a human. And I'm not right. saying Biden isn't, but folks, if you're a Democrat, put your honest hat on for a minute. 47 years of watching him wrong on every single topic entire time he served in Congress. Wrong. 100% of the time. Out of step with what history has painted to be accurate and true. I don't care if you hate Trump or love him. 
But the guy was human. He actually said, let's go talk. Let's have a conversation. Folks, I'm desperately saying that's what we need to do. Left and right need to have a talk. We can call it populism, Miles, but we actually need to have a conversation like Reagan and Tip O'Neill did. I right. believe that. That's what this show is trying to get. Listen, folks, we're out of time, but thank you very, very much for listening. We will see you next week. Please be safe.